I want to share with you this morning, I'm going to get right into this, about uh, the journey that we're beginning today, the 21 days of prayer, and we're throwing fasting in there, and I just want to, I want to talk to you about prayer and fasting and the reason behind it, so, you know, most people, when you talk about this, is it's not a, you know, it's it, it's really easy to get real religious about this. And of course, you know, I'm not I'm not about the religious side of it. It's about it's about the relational side of it. So, I want you to to hear my heart today. And as is often the case, you know, I, I think as as you hear my heart, you will uh, you will understand why we do this. We do this every year. We've done it. Uh, for, I don't even know, I think we've done it now, this is the fourth year in a row, or third at least, that we pick 21 days in the month of January, and we set aside some special time of prayer and fasting. And it's not that we don't pray and fast through the year, but how many of you know that, uh, you know, that uh, this is a time, always typically in January, you know, of new beginnings. Everybody has like an expectation. Uh, you know, they they do uh, New Year's resolutions, which usually last an hour, yeah. And uh, so this is not like that. This is not a New Year's resolution. This is this is a a point though to point out the the fact that we're we're heading into new beginnings. And I think this year, 2017, is really going to be for you a year of beginning. Some of you, some of you are, are you know, we're all, are in different places. You're just new in your walk with God, and and so uh, I, that's why this is important to, to to share this, to take time to share it, so you can you can get a foundation underneath you, and uh, and then grow into this and. And grow into a lifestyle of, of seeking God and putting God first in your life. So what I'm going to do today is, you know, keeping with the theme, I've been in this trouble series and the title of today's message is image trouble. And, uh, and so uh, it's image trouble. Now bear with me here because we're going to go right to the book of, uh, of Genesis here and, um, Genesis 1, 26, which it happens to be the Genesis means beginnings. It's the book of beginnings. So I want you to just go with me and look at it. this as a new beginning. No matter how long you've been walking with God, a day, a year, ten years, this is a new beginning. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that if any man be in Christ, behold, he is a new creation, a new creature. A new beginnings. Old things pass away and behold all things become new. That's the beauty of the, of a Christian life, of a life lived in Christ is that it's a life of new beginnings. And, uh, as we shared a few weeks ago, that's really, that's really a big part of what you do as a person, as a, as a, as a human and the human experience is there's endings and beginnings. You leave and you enter. You spend your whole life seeing certain things 
come into and and then coming out of. So like you're, 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 when you're conceived in your mother's womb, which, you know, which all of you got here via that way. Yeah, your mom and dad had sex. But that's how we all got here. And so your, your conception, your beginning was in a, your mother's womb. But then that came to an end. You know, and after nine months, you had to leave the comfort and safety of your mother's womb. And you were thrust into, all of a sudden to a room with bright lights and it was a little cold. And, and, uh, and, then, and then they had the audacity to slap you. Right? Because they want you to cry. They want you to, like, they need you to... They need you to open up your lungs and start to breathe. Because everything you've done so up to that point has been completely solely dependent on, upon your mother. Now you have launched outside of your mother and there's a new beginning. And some of you haven't stopped crying since. But it, but you see, then you you you're treated like a you know babies are are pampered. You were pampered, but then pretty soon your parents get tired of pampering you. They get tired of changing you. They say you need to start like be a big boy, be a big girl, because I'm tired of this. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I have like a real weak stomach for that. I mean, I could handle certain diapers. And then there were certain diapers. I said, hey, Terry. I mean, I have like a really weak gag reflex. She's a nurse. You know, she could eat a bologna sandwich and clean up diarrhea and never miss a beat. I mean, it's, she's a nurse. Me, I'm like, <coughs> you know. I mean, that's just me. I don't know if that's you. You husbands, look at, don't look at me like that. You're the same way. It, it, or some of you are just lazy because you just said, hey, change this baby. But, you, but, but then you, you grow up and you leave your infanthood and you go into adolescence. You got to leave your infanthood. Listen, you have to leave it. Because it's it's kind of sick when when you got a a big kid still being treated or still acting like a a baby. Hello, some of y'all need to hear that. It's time for you to grow up. And so that it's, it's you have to leave one and enter the other. And then you go, you go into adolescence, and then pretty soon you have to leave adolescence, and you become a teenager. Oh, my Lord, my God, pray for me. My kid's a teenager. You know, and that's a whole different realm, a whole different world, and, and it's a transition, and, and, and people just keep leaving and entering, and that's what, they're an end to this, and a beginnings to this, and then you leave your teen years, and you become a young adult, so you spend your whole life going through these transitions, leaving and entering. Now, listen to this. In Genesis 1, verse 26, 
when God created man and his in his thought processes, because we, we need to understand God's thoughts and and his ways and his understanding to us in order to walk in the wisdom and, and walk in what God has for us. So God created, you know, he, the, the book of Genesis is all about creation. And, and in, the, in the five days of creation, when it gets to the sixth day, you know, that's when God decides to, to create his crowning work. He created everything for man. And on the sixth day, he created Adam. And on that sixth day, when he created Adam, it's, it, 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 here's what it says, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us, notice the plurality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are in, in this whole working together in all creation, let us, Father, we see the Father's work, we see the Son, who who Paul gave us the revelation that he was everywhere present in creation, let us make man the Holy Spirit, who carries out the, the, the the words of God, let us make man in our plural image, because God has this divine nature, Now, God is unseen, God is eternal, God is spiritual, but he created man to bear the image of God, the image of God. Now, that means that because God was and is spirit, which is the Bible teaches in John 4, that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God created man, and it says he formed him out of the out of the clay or out of the dirt or and, and out of that he formed the man and then he breathed into him the breath of God and when God's breath came into contact with that fleshly earthly body man's spirit came alive man we sang about it this morning I, I it was just so powerful you know because that's you know, it's your breath in our lungs. You with me? I know this. Is, I'm, I know for some of you who are advanced, this is. But bear with me. I, 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 I have to. I have to lay this foundation for you, because much of the church is in the darkness about, about where we are at in this. Because much of the church has gotten a religious interpretation of this. And not a spiritual interpretation. Now here's, here's how we know. Because when God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And Adam came alive. And that life that, that he exhibited first and foremost gave Adam a God consciousness. Adam had a God consciousness. God was the center of his life. God was everything in his life. Yes, he lived in a garden. This garden was Eden. It was perfect. It had everything. But the garden of Eden was just a, just a habitation. What made Eden so powerful and wonderful for Adam is it was because there he could walk with God every day, every moment. He had and enjoyed the presence of God. 
And so, in the image of God, he created him according to our likeness. So Adam bore a likeness to God. In other words, Adam walked on a spiritual level, had spiritual knowledge, had spiritual insight and wisdom, because isn't it interesting how Adam could have this intuitive ability to name all the animals? I mean, he, he had wisdom, he had insight. That comes from your connection with God. If you're connected with God, you know things nobody else can know. You see things nobody else can see. Because the unseen God creates a seen man and puts him in a scene, S-C-E-N-E. So the seen man can reflect the power of an unseen God in the scene that he has placed him in. Y'all looking at me like, what did he just say? The S-E-E-N, the seen man, created by an unseen God, carrying the image of that unseen God into a seen realm, S-E-E-N, and to live and occupy in that S-C-E-N-E so he can demonstrate and reflect the image, the character, the, the very essence of who God is. You see God's original intention? How many of you see that? So here, look at what a definition of image is. A representative figure. A resemblance. So when you, when you show, when you have an image, it's a reflection of, of, of that thing. Whatever it might be. So like, so what we're really good at today, you know, in, in, uh, in, in, we love images today. You know, today this is the, this is the generation of the selfie. Say amen, somebody. How many of you have ever taken a selfie? Admit it. Y'all, y'all ain't just ain't gonna raise your hands on anything today, are you? Bunch of rebels. Some of y'all take too many selfies. Some of y'all better stop. I mean, I recommend you stop all those selfies. Because some are just like, you know, come on now. Look at your neighbor and say, no more selfies. Some of you need to fast selfies for 21 days. An image is a representative figure, a resemblance. So if I, if, if I want to know, if I've never met you, but somebody says, uh, you know, this person, let's say Bob, you know, Bob, I've never met Bob. I don't know who, I don't know who Bob is. And Bob's going to pick me up at the airport tomorrow because I'm flying to Aruba. We're, let's fantasize, as long as we're fantasizing, let's just go all the way. And, but I don't know Bob, but, but they, they, Send me an image, a picture. They, they text me a picture or they can email me a picture or they can, they can put it on Facebook or 
they can do it a lot of ways. Because this is how we do it today. You know, back in my day, what you had to do is we had 35 millimeter cameras with film. And I would have to take a picture. It all had to be done manually. I have one of these. I have a Yashica FX2. I was into photography for a little while. It's a bodied 35 millimeter camera. Uses 35 millimeter film. You set your own exposure. You set your focus. You did it. You took a picture. Then you had to take it to somewhere and get it developed. And then you waited three, four days. Some of you are like, what? You wait, yeah, for all you young people. You waited three or four days. They said, oh, you can pick these up Wednesday at four o'clock. Some of y'all would just cuss if you went in there and Walgreens said, you can have your pictures back Wednesday. You're like, I don't want those. I came in here. I'm walking out with my pictures. You know it's true. This is what we've created with all this technology today. Because now we become a people. We won't wait on anything or anybody. I would take a 35 millimeter picture. I would focus it. I would get it developed. I used the high 400 speed film. Some of you look at me. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Picture would come back. I could set the depth of field. I could I could blur the background. I could focus it in. I could I did, I could do a lot of things. And then I would take that picture and I would say, "This is what Bob looks like," because that picture reflected. And that way, when I would get to the airport, I would say, "Hey, that's the guy." You with me? Now think about this. God put Adam in a garden, and He created him after His image. And the whole purpose was that God wanted man to take, take control of the earth and to reflect the image of God on and to the earth so that God's image would be on everything. God's wisdom would be in everything. God's peace would prevail over everything. God's joy would fill everything. That Eden was a place without strife, without pain, without sickness, without sin, without anything but God and the man that reflected the very image of God. And everything he needed was there. He didn't have to go outside or dig or search or beg. It was all there for him. Do you get what I'm saying this morning? God was very excited about it. But what happened? Adam, a representative. God says, I'm going to, God, God endorsed him. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you power. I want you to rule this earth, rule this garden, rule this planet. You take charge. But we knew what happened there, right? Adam had that all given to him. Then one day Adam was put to sleep.
And out from his side, God took a rib and he created a woman. And when Adam woke up, he said, hallelujah. Hello. And he had to help me. Why? Because it is not good that man should be alone. And so God created for him a helpmeet like he does for men, for the human race. Because even after thousands of years, we still don't get it. It's not good that man be alone. It's not good. And yet most of you are doing your best to live alone and apart and detached and disconnected because your, your, your continual connections with people have done nothing but hurt you. So what you do, instead of responding the way that God would respond, you react the way humans react. And when you react, you react out of offense and not of forgiveness. And so you've spent your whole life reacting and not responding. And all people see is you and not the image Of God. Adam started all this when he sinned, and Eve, it's Adam and Eve sinned. Now, what the essence of that sin was, let's go on here. Move here if I can. Please work. There we go. No. So here's life. No. This one. There it is. There's life outside of God, outside of a relationship with Christ. And it's a life with self at the center. Because really, ultimately, that was the big temptation. When Adam was put in the garden, God said there were two trees. There's two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you may eat freely of every tree in the garden, but of this tree thou may not eat because it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what it is, it's, self, it's self-centered. And he said, it, and, and here's, here's, here's the thing. He said, because there were two trees, even Adam stood before this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the real battle was who's going to be the center of your life, God or you? Because when self is the center of your life, then it all becomes about you. Folks, this is how I live a good part of my life until I came to Christ. It was all about me. It was all about my comfort. It was all about what I loved. It was all about what I wanted. It was all about my desires. It was all about me. My song was not, it's all about you. It's all about you. It was, Lord, it's all about me. And that's how I lived a good part of my life. Until... I met Christ. You see, when Adam and Eve were standing before that tree, the battle was who's going to sit on the throne of your life? Is it you or God? The tree of knowledge, get it, the tree of self-knowledge. It's self-knowledge. Here's what Satan said to Eve. God knows in the day you eat thereof, you shall be like him deciding for yourself. 
what is good and what is evil. Aren't we here today where, where people, they're going to say, you know, don't, tell me, don't, don't tell me what the Bible says. Don't tell me what God says. I'll decide for myself what's right or what's wrong. And then we have preachers who are afraid to tell the truth. Because they don't want to offend somebody's self. But I want to tell you something. Yourself is offensive. Because yourself wants things that you shouldn't want. Yourself loves things that you shouldn't love. Yourself desires things that it shouldn't desire. And the greatest service you can do to yourself is get it out of the way. The greatest joy and freedom I've ever had in my life is when I saw what God did with myself, how he crucified it in Christ, and how I came out as a new creature, and now my life is centered and focused on Christ, because this is what it should look like. It should look like that now. 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 This is a problem. We're all stuck in this self-life. Help me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I just got delivered. <laughs> now Jesus is in the center of my life. Now here's what happens. When you make Jesus the center of your life, you find new power. Come on. Because before, when self is at the center, you think you got power. You think you're doing your thing. But you're really just a, a pawn, a servant of Satan. He that sins is a servant of sin, Paul taught. But when you come to Jesus, you find all of a sudden there's new power in you. And this power gives you the power to say no to sin. The devil doesn't want you to say no to anything. He wants you to say, yeah, if it feels good, do it. If it looks good, go for it. If it, if it, if it even satisfies taste it but God says look I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you in that power the ability to find your passion because once you get in touch with Jesus you don't want all that junk what you want is Jesus because only Jesus satisfies the yearning of every heart and soul in this place can I just tell you every one of you have this God Come here, young man. Remind me of your name. Lawrence. Shake my hand. Hi, Lawrence. You didn't ask for this, did you? This is what happens when you sit on the front row. And you know what I should do is go get them people on the back row. But I'm too lazy to walk all the way back there. And they know it. Lawrence has this big God-shaped hole in his life. He was born with it. He was born with a hole in his heart. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Because he was created in the image of God. Did you ever, did you know that? You were created in the image of God. The world's never told you that, have they? The world kind of gives you a different message, doesn't it? The world gives you a bunch of stuff like you'll never be good enough. You'll never be, good, you'll never be big enough. You'll never be strong enough. You'll never be rich enough. You'll never be enough, 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 enough. But when you come into this, you realize I was created in the image of God. 
And this big hole in my heart can only be filled by one thing, and that, that is Jesus. And I've tried it, folks. I've stuck drugs in that hole. I've tried relationships. I tried music. I tried, I tried parties. I tried drugs. I tried everything to put in that heart that thing that would satisfy and fill me. And all it did was steal, rob, destroy, almost ruin me. And then one day... Out of the grace of God, not because I ran after God, but because God ran after me. Because God said, I can't let him stay with this big hole in his heart. I've got a way and an answer to fill that heart. And so Jesus showed up in my life and I was a rotten, dirty mess. But he didn't look at what was on the outside. He looked at what could be and should be from the inside. And when I opened my heart to him, he filled something no one, nothing had ever filled before. Now, my, my challenge then is to live out of that. You, you can sit down, Lawrence. Thank you. Uh, forgive me. I didn't mean to embarrass you. But you see what I'm saying. Now religion tries to tell you all you need to do is just, you just need to do better. You just need to try harder. What do you mean do better? I'm not, I'm not doing very good. How do I do better? You want me to do better at doing bad? I could handle that. In other words, religion tells you what you need to do. You know what salvation tells you? Here's what Jesus did for you. I'm declaring war on religion. Because here's the problem. Some of you are religious enough that what you believe has you held captive. And I believe this is the year of liberation, where what God's trying to do is set his people free. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Is it possible to be a Christian and be bound? <laughs> oh. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, in many ways, Christians are more bound than the world. You know why? Because the world is bound in darkness, and the church is bound in the light. Moving right along. So here's Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Now listen to this. This is really powerful. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Man, that's just how it needs to be. The gospel needs to be just simple and straightforward. We just need to tell it like it is. 
We don't need to sugarcoat it. Can I just tell you that we're going to be a church that tells it like it is. Sin is sin. Sin is still wrong. Sin will destroy your life. Keep you from God's purpose and God's power. If you don't tell people the problem, they'll never find the answer. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you have been given. Go ahead with what you've been given. What have you been given? Christ, salvation, freedom, deliverance, all that comes with Jesus. He says, you have received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. You received Christ Jesus. Now live him. See, somehow, too, in, in the church, we have got a dichotomy that has, it has literally taken power away from us. And here's, uh, here's the dichotomy. The a dichotomy means there's a division. There's a two, two things. We, we have let our beliefs take the precedence over what we do. In other words, as long as I th- think I believe in Jesus, I can do anything I want to do. I can live any way I want to live as long as I got the Jesus part, you know, I, I, I mean, I believe in Jesus. But what that has created is a cheap grace that that says, you know, it's okay, Jesus got you covered. But here's what Paul said. He said, listen, this is simple and straightforward. You've received Jesus, now live in him. Live in him. Because that's the key. It's not just simply, listen, you only live out of what you really believe. So if you say you believe in Jesus then you, if you really believe in Jesus, you will live out of him. If you say it and don't live it, it's just a mental assent, not a heartfelt and heart-held conviction. Now listen to what Paul says here. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well-constructed upon him. You see, he went through a lot of trouble to get you in him. He went all the way to the cross when Adam sinned in the garden and ate and Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Jesus was the representation of, even though Adam lost the image of God in the garden, Jesus came to bring that image back. <laughs> Let's read on here. You are well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. That's the, that's the thing, many of you, you've been around this faith your whole life. But my question is, not, not how long you've been around, but how well are you reflecting the image? You know your way around the faith, now do what you've been taught. Everybody say do. You see, how many of you, we all know that prayer is good, right? 
But how many of us really pray well like we know we should? We all know that loving is good, but how many of us really love like we know we're supposed to love? We know serving is really good, but how many of us serve like we really, like we really know that this is what God's called me to, to be, not just do? So he says, he says you got to do this. I love this because this is out of the message. If you're like reading your Bible going, where did he get this from? This is from the message. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. See, I've been, I've been in an ongoing thing with this now for, for, for a while because I got people, you know, who come to me all the time, especially, you know, people go, they go, Pastor Mike, you should just, we should just have more classes. You should have more classes. You should do more teaching. You know what I'll say? School's out. You ain't even doing what you're supposed to be doing. You want me to give you more to get condemned and guilty about? School's out. Isn't there a time? Look at when you're when you you know when I was in school, I think they got rid of me because they didn't want me around anymore. And it wasn't that I was such a great student. They're like, school's out, go. I'm like, well, I kind of like this. Can I stay around? Oh, no, you go. You get out of here. Go. School's out. I really, if you want to be honest, I think that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to the many of us today. School's out. How many more Bible studies are you going to take before you just actually get about doing this? How many more times do you need to be told, we need to do this, instead of you just get up off of yourself and let's do this and see if you feel better? Wow, that sounds like a song, don't it? Get up off the hope. I need help here, church. Listen to me. I'm not interested in just coming around here and, and us having, you know, a little church and, and, and me like scratching my itch and preaching a little bit. Then we go home, we go, man, that was really good. And we just keep doing what we're doing. I say it's time. I believe this is it. I believe we're in a window of time where God's saying, come on, church, get up and do this. And some of you are looking around and you're like, yeah, I wish he'd get up and do something. About time he did something. And all the while, you're sitting there like a frog on a stump. School's out. Look at your neighbor and say, school's out. <laughs> no, I don't want to graduate. Quit studying the subject. <laughs> Listen to this. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Let's just start doing it. What are, we, what are we supposed to be doing, Pastor Mike? Well, let's read on. Listen, write this down. A lot of people's lives are like poor photographs. They're overexposed and underdeveloped. A lot of people's lives are like poor photographs. They're overexposed and underdeveloped. See, back in the day when I used to do my photography thing, I actually developed and, and, and got into, I had a, a, a guy, Gary Brackett, who helped 
get me into this whole thing. He is another pastor. It was like a hobby that that we both got into. And I would go over to Gary. Gary Gary had his own dark room. Because, I mean, it's awesome to have control of of the photograph. But then you put a dark room in and you get full control of everything. And if you, you know, back in that day when pictures were done like that, the dark room, it was all about chemicals and chemical reactions. And you gave the picture a bath in this and you had to do it for so long a time. And then you had to take it out after that time. And then you put it in a bath of this and then you hung it and as it dried, the picture would begin to develop. Are you with me? I got to go over this because some of y'all ever done is point a picture of phone, took a picture and you go, wow, look at that. And it's amazing. You can send it around the world in a split second. Back in that day, it was, it was time. It, it was a development process. Are you with me? There's a certain amount of this technology today that has actually hindered us. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you should fast your phone for 21 days. And it might just change your life. I felt that. I couldn't live without my phone. If you just felt that way about Jesus. Many of us are overexposed. So here's what happens when you're overexposed. You with me? Let's take a little journey. You see this picture right here? No, really. Can you see this picture right here? Really, It's really hard to really know what this picture is right here. This is, this is a picture of, a, of, a, of, a, of an anointed, gifted worship team up on a platform worshiping God. But because this picture is overexposed... It has no clarity. It has no direction. It has no, it has no definitiveness. Do you understand the, 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 the things blend together? It's, it's really even, I mean, I can, you can barely make it out. Can I submit to you this morning, and I'm getting close to being done, I'm a, I'm a hit and run this morning. And y'all, you can leave mad if you want to, but I'm trying to tell you the truth because this is where we are at. And I am not here to play around with you. I'm here to tell you what is going on. Because many of you are scratching your head and wondering, why is my life the way it is? Because your life is overexposed. You are exposed to things that you don't even know how deadly and toxic they are. You sit in front of televisions. You sit in front of a computer. You sit with toxic people. And you take in toxicity one day, one minute, one hour after another. And then you wonder why your life has no definitiveness. Why it has no clarity. Why it has no depth of vision. Why it lacks such. Because your life is overexposed. Here's what we do. We spend 167 hours a week. Out in the world. Out in the mess. And then we walk in here for one hour. And you say, Pastor Mike, fix me. You send your kids to a, 
to a school system, to places where they're inundated with false philosophies, lies, and bullying and tactics to try to undermine and destroy. And then you bring them to youth group and say, I can't understand why this youth group just isn't getting the job done. And then the pastor says, let's have 21 days where we just get our hearts together and let's go after God. I ain't got time for that. I mean, that's all good for you guys. I don't need that. You're overexposed. Let me give you another challenge. Why don't you get in the Bible? There's so many good things. So today, if you have the Bible app, which you should, and you should go on the live because all this is on there. Man, I went, I mean, I put it all on there, pictures and all. But there's a, there's a reading, or what do you call it, a devotional for 21 days called Awakening. I, I've had it stored in my phone to start today. I started it today. I'm doing other devotionals. We, that's how I, the Bible app is such a powerful thing. Can I just ask you, and seriously, you did some of you are going to, and I'm going to say, if you would just turn your television off for one hour and open up your Bible and gather your family around, it's amazing what might come into focus. But you keep watching Fox and MSNBC and CNN and taking in all that garbage and then wonder why I just can't, I just, I'm so, why am I so scared? Why am I so full of anxiety? Because you're watching a bunch of junk. And, and here's another thing. Some of y'all, I, I don't even know what's out there now, but here's, here's what the Lord laid on my heart to say. So I'm just going to say it this way. If this is your show I'm not picking on you in particular. I'm picking on everybody. Some of you know more about the walking dead than you do about walking in life. You will binge watch 23 hours. And then somebody says, hey, why don't you come to a prayer meeting? That's so boring. You know what the problem is? You are the walking dead. zombie looking thing you see I shouldn't do that I, God forgive me I don't mean that up much but here's the thing some of you are full of dead men's bones you know how I know because all your reactions are reactions of dead people all you see is dead people I see dead people you don't see nothing God's doing. You don't see nothing that God's working. You don't see anything positive. Any, all you see is, I just see, I just see, I don't know what I see, but it ain't good. So that's, a, that's something that's overexposed. Something that's just inundated with too much light, too much. Now here's, here's underdeveloped. Same picture. Got a little more clarity, but it's still, it's not crisp, but it has no depth of field. It has, because it's underdeveloped. You know why it's underdeveloped? Because it didn't stay submitted and committed to the process. Some of you sitting here today, 
You have been a Christian for 10 years, but the problem is you're not a 10-year-old Christian. You're a one-year-old Christian 10 times. I'm making lots of friends here today. And some of you are going to go away here and go, man, is he really all that? Is that always how he is? Pretty much. Un- underdeveloped. But again, here you think, you know, I read a book. <laughs> I read a book. I'm ready to go cast out demons. I read a book. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'm ready to launch a ministry. I read a book. I love books. I read a lot of books. But none of those books take the place of a walking, living, talking relationship with Jesus. How does this kind goes out, Jesus said, but by prayer and by fasting. So this picture is underdeveloped. Some of you sitting here today are underdeveloped. You can't blame the church for that. Because the church has had opportunities. But we never see you at those opportunities. Saturday, we're going to have a class for all of our team, all of our team people. Why? Because we want to be better leaders. We want to have a clear vision. We want to understand better how to be what we should be and what to do and how to do it. I don't, I don't have all the answers, but I'm in this journey with you. I've been a pastor for a long time, and I still don't have all the answers, but I'm still going after God. And I, I have this assurance that God told me he's going to surround me with people who have my heart. And then here's, here's a picture that's developed. Do you see the clarity? Do you see the beauty of this picture? I mean, I see a lot of beauty in this picture. I see, I see the clarity. I can even read the words on that screen back there. I can even understand the depth of field because I see beyond just a person standing. I see, I can see a person who's in contact with God. I can see something here that, that I would never be able to see without the right kind of development. The point I'm trying to make is church, many of us have got to, we have got to get back on the easel and let God develop us. Some of you are so proud that you think you're all that in a bag of chips and the devil just keeps handing you your head. How many of you, uh, how many of you would like to see 2017 as a year of real breakthrough? I don't mean the kind that you just shout a little bit. I'm talking about the kind where you walk in your calling. I'm talking about where you find your purpose and you're seeing it manifested in your... People say, well, I'll never be able to pray like old Paul there. You know what? Maybe you'll never be able to pray like him. But if you'll pray, you might become a man like him who has a fervor and a passion for God. And you're not trying to imitate Paul, you're trying to reflect the image of God. You're trying because God is not passive. God is alive. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is not asleep. And I'm telling you, the church has been asleep 
Yes. You know, you see what's going on in our culture today? You know why there's pain throws in, in our culture right now? It's because 84% of the church woke up and actually went to the polls and voted. A first. And all the liberals said, we didn't see that coming. What would happen when the church really wakes up and goes to God? And they go, we didn't see that coming. Because people are going to be changed. Lives are going to be transformed. Bodies are going to be healed. Miracles are going to flow. Churches are going to be changed. Cities are going to be transformed. Lives are going to be turned around. Why? Because the church woke up. So here's my plea to you today. You should come along with us on this. Even the weak and faint of heart. I don't know. I've never done anything like this. Well, let this be the first. Take that first step. I never, I never went to a prayer meeting. I'm afraid to pray out loud. You don't have to. Just show up. No, seriously. Just show up. I guarantee you the fire will fall on you too. Paul didn't always be this prayer warrior. And this dude, he went from the bars into the house of God. And he was like, are these people crazy? Look at these people. And he had to come along and God developed him. God developed him. God made him definitive about what he wanted and how he was going to go at it and not going not gonna to try to do it the easy way. God, if this is the way it is, I'll go with you. If it takes prayer, then I'll pray. If it takes fasting, I'll fast. You know, you know people say, oh, I've never fasted. Well, then it's time. I have a handout in the back, and if I need more, I'll get more. It's on fasting. I put it together. It's just two pages. The best part of it on the back page, the second page, are some, are some connection links that you can go to to get a lot more information, because I can't sit up here and tell you all about fasting and, and how all-encompassing it is in this hour, but you grab one on your way out. Come out tonight at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing and things will keep being washed and white and, and hardly definitive and, and all that. Or you can get some definitiveness and clarity in your life. How many of you want some clarity? I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is wanting things to get clear to you. Some of you are confused. Here's how you know you're confused, because you think God's the problem. It's, here's how we, because here's what we do. Go, God, we need you to do something. We need you to do something. And God's up in heaven going, I did it all. I'm waiting for you to do something. You should have bowed your heads with me.
my whole purpose today was to tell you why you need to come along on this journey. That's it. That's not, I didn't tell you what all the journey was. I just said, I'm going to talk to you why you should come along on this journey. This journey is going to involve three parts. Prayer, fasting, and giving. Because this is taken right out of Matthew 6. Jesus said, when you pray, do it like this. He didn't say if you pray, he said when. He said when you fast, do it like this. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you give, do it like this. He used those three things on how to revolutionize your life. Right out of Matthew 6. We're going to spend these 21 days getting focused in on our prayer, our fasting, and our giving. I'm asking you to come along with me. Come along with us. We're going to have, we're going to get out. If you want to, if you're not on the email list, you need to get on. I'm going to be mailing out daily, uh, daily devotions to walk with you and to, to give you a word. Because it's, I know it's with work schedules and everything. We can't all get together every day for 21 days. We're going to do some phone-in prayer meetings. I'm, I, I'm going to experiment with a, with an app and it's, uh, where you can all call in and we can have as many people on the phone together and we can have a prayer meeting over the phone. Now, I've never done that before. I haven't either. But as long as we got this technology, instead of using it to... To, 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 to do something goofy with it. Let's do something powerful with it. So if you want to be on that prayer call, which I'm going to do an experiment with it to, uh, tomorrow, and if, I, if it works, then I'll send the word out, but I need your phone number. Bow your heads with me. Some of you have been in church your entire life, but I just want to tell you something. I'm not saying this mean-spirited. There's a difference between being in church and being in Jesus. My question to you today is, where are you at in Jesus? Oh, I've been studying Jesus. No, not here. Listen to what Paul said. It's school's out. It's time to live it time to live it God wants you to just live it and he will give you revelation impartation I mean he will he will just knock your socks off if you just step out with him so I'm going to ask the prayer team to come join me up front here and I, I if you are one of those people say, yes, Pastor Mike, I'm, I am overexposed. I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. Here, here's another thing I want to just say as I close. The Lord reminded me of this this morning. 
You know, we're about, we're about in, in January, we usually launch our city circles. I really feel like it's time, too, we take a look at these city circles and we, we take another approach to them. How long has it been since somebody walked up to you and said, how's your soul? And nobody's ever said that. That's that, folks. That's what I'm talking about. This is the kind of connections that we need. Some of you hiding and you're struggling with things, and and what you need is somebody to walk up to you and say, "Hey, Rachel, it's a precious saint right here. How's your soul?" And I believe that. There's a good woman right here. But, and and it's a, it's a, it, what the imperative is that we care for one another. And we pray for one another. And we take time just to ask. Hey, you know, we, 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 we do this thing like, hey, what's up? We don't, you notice, you know, it's like, how are you? We don't, we're really not sure we want anybody to tell us all the, but I'm talking about in a real Christ-like heart, we say, how how are you? How how are you? Not this phoniness. Not the, you. You get what I'm saying? Some of you are struggling with some deep-seated fears. Some of you got some things going on in your life, in your family. You need somebody to stand with you. Some of you are fighting addictions. You got addictions that you're fighting. And you're fighting it all alone. And God says, this is not how I created you. You're in my image. And with God, it's our and us. Let us, come let us reason together. And so when God comes, he wants to know, hey, how, I want want us to get real about this. That's what I've I've just been deciding. Believe me, I've had some real interesting conversations over the last couple of days. I said, all right, all the jokes aside now, tell me what's really going on. All of a sudden, people start crying. People start breaking down. People start getting honest. It's all, listen, this is, this is what the church is about. do our city circles at the, the, the midpoint of the, the, toward hopefully in two weeks. So I'm going to ask you, if you've been a city point leader, I know some of you taking a real like laissez-faire attitude toward it. Folks, it's time to stand up and get back to arms. People are hurting. People sitting right next to you are in need. And we are not going to play church. I get, I don't want to be placated. I don't want to be patronized. This is a life and death struggle. I don't know about you, but I feel it. I'm asking if you had a city circle I want you to get a hold of Paul and Adele 
ASAP because we need to get this going and we need to and we need to for this next 21 days we need to get real because here's what the Lord tells me the Lord says look I have set this open door I told you this last week the Lord says I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it but you must walk through it bowed. Sorry. I'm just trying to go with the Holy Spirit here. I'm not apologizing for going with the Holy Spirit. I'm apologizing because I've told you to bow your heads now three times. So look at me one more time. Just kidding. Bow your heads, would you please? Folks, I love you. I love you. That's why I'm preaching like this. That's why I know this is not the kind of preaching that makes people like, (laughs) that doesn't make people shout and fall all over. But this is the kind of preaching that challenges you and makes you come to the decision, I need to move up. I'm tired of this. If you don't, 2017 will be the same as 2016. Second verse, same as the first. With your heads bowed, Father, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, for an unleashing of your power and your glory and your presence in our lives. Lord, that there's some things that are blocking people, things that have stood in their way, things that have tried to hinder them and stop them and even sit them down and shut them up. But today, those things are broken in the name of Jesus. God, there's areas of our lives that are we're overexposed. We've exposed ourselves to everything but what we should. We've sought things but everything but what we should. We've drank and, and, and lived on things but the things that we should. Today I pray for new wine and new oil and new vessels. New vessels. Pour out yourself, Lord God into hearts and where people are overexposed bring them into focus right now and where people are underdeveloped today God bring clarity bring distinction bring depth of field bring God color back to their life bring sharpness and 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 precision back to their heart like an arrow whoo thank you Jesus The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. The good news that you don't have to live a defeated, boring, dull, unjoyful life anymore. Because the Lord declares victory, healing, deliverance. For every one of you, for he shall restore and heal the brokenhearted. He shall set the captives free. The lame will walk. The blind will see. For this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is your time to see his glory manifested in your life. Father, make it so in Jesus' name.